our study, we're going to be studying blessings, the blessings of God. Amen. You know, it's something that everybody wants, but doesn't seem to always come our way. And tonight we're going to look at four key principles that are keys to God's favor. Amen. Number one, of course, is obedience. And I call that the path, the pathway to God's blessing. Number two, of course, is humility. And that's the place of God's blessing. We have to be at a place for God to bless us. And that place is humility. And then the other thing we're going to discuss tonight is knowledge, understanding God's blessing. Genesis 27 verse 8 says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. There was a procedure that Jacob had to follow to obtain the blessing. If he did it any other way, it would not have been successful. There was a procedure that he had to follow. In fact, the very word that is translated obey is listen in the Hebrew, Shema. And in fact, that's the same word that comes from the, 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 the um, declaration that the Jews do where it says, Hear, O Israel, in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, we call it Deuteronomy, but the, the real uh, Hebrew title for that book is Devarim, which is from the, from, the, from the Hebrew, the words. It speaks the words of Moses. And it says, Shama, listen to, or to yield to, obey, obey my voice. In other words, she was saying, listen to what I'm telling you, Jacob, according to that which I command thee, go now to the flock, fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father. It's interesting that she specifies two good kids of the goats because we find in Exodus 12, later on, this was exactly what the atonement sacrifice, the atonement sacrifice consisted of was two kids of the goats that were selected on the day of atonement. So God prefigured the way of obtaining the blessing in the instructions that she gave her son. He had to obey. And in doing so, he got the blessing because he took the, the meat, she took the meat and cooked it, but then she took the skins as a covering. It was that covering that enabled Jacob to get the blessing. If he had come as Jacob, as the supplanter, as the con man, he would not have gotten the blessing. In Genesis 27, verse 21, it goes on to say, And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto, his, unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. This is a very instructional tale. It was the covering, the blood sacrifice, prefiguring the atonement that enabled someone who didn't deserve it to get the blessing. It was the covering on his hands that he obeyed, that enabled him to get the blessing. If he had come any other way, even though 
Isaac was nearly blind, he would not have, he would have not obtained the blessing because the father was going to test him. See, if we come before God without the covering, without the obeying, without the listening to what he has told us, when we get to the test, we won't have the proper covering. Amen. Genesis 27 verse 9 says, Go now to the flock, fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he, he loveth. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. This is just a beautiful picture of the atonement ceremony that wouldn't even be given until in Exodus many years later when Israel was coming out. And it prefigures the fact that if we want the blessing, we have to have the covering. And if we want the covering, we have to obey. It was this obedience that garnered Jacob the covering that should and the blessing that should have gone to Esau. Now, there's something else about this. He could have said, well, why do I have to do this? He could have argued with his mother. He could have said, this makes no sense. This is a lot of uh, a waste of time. But you don't have to understand to be obedient. Genesis 22.1, we see that God tested or tried Abraham. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Now take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. You know, many times when God tests us, there won't be an explanation. It's a test of whether you trust him. It's a test of faith, whether you're going to be obedient. This was such a huge ask. The son he had been waiting for all these years, God now says to him, I want you to take that son, the, your beloved son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah. God gave him specific instructions. We have no record here of Abraham questioning God. In fact, he kept it to himself. He kept the instructions to himself because I am sure if he had started to try and explain to anybody, it would not have made sense. Sometimes the things that God asks us to do do not make sense. But here is the test. Either you believe and trust God or you don't. In this case, Abraham was used by God to set up such a great symbol of the father giving his son that 2,000 years later, because of what Abraham did, God was able to give his son on the same mountain. Even though Abraham did not understand, he believed and he trusted. See, to obey, you don't have to understand, but you do have to believe. You do have to trust. In doing this thing, because he was willing to go this far and prove his obedience, prove his faith, in Genesis twenty-two fifteen it says, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing... I will bless thee. 
See, blessing from God, God's favor comes from through obedience. And obedience comes by faith. Because sometimes what God is asking you to do will not make sense. It will not be understandable. And this is where faith comes in. But you see in verse 17, because of his act of obedience, he obtained not just a little blessing, but a great blessing. Verse 17 says that in blessing, in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. And thy seed shall And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because, because, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Obeying God's voice is one of the keys to obtaining favor and blessing. There is no way around that. The first step for blessing is obedience. Let's go back even further and look at the first time God mentioned the word blessing. And that is in the context of when he created Adam and Eve in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And God blessed them. After he created them, God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And God blessed them. Verse 28, And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. We see this... this uh, idea that blessing is involved with multiplication and being fruitful and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. In fact, this is repeated almost verbatim when Noah comes out of the ark in Genesis 9-1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto him, them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So blessing is, is, um, is aligned with God's concept of multiplication, of overflow, of fruitfulness. Now, sometimes the start of blessing, when we go back to Abraham, God wanted to bless him right from the beginning, but he was in an environment that did not allow God's fullness to flow. Sometimes we have to change our environment to get the blessing. Again, it all comes down to obedience and trust. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we read the first call of Abraham. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shall be a blessing. When God blesses you, it's not just for you, it's that you shall be a blessing to others. Now notice that this blessing was conditional on Abraham changing his environment of obeying the command to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Many times we have to change our environment, and changing our environment can be as simple as changing our way of thinking. Because our mind is an environment in which we can get trapped. And we can, we can fail to, to really grasp 
God's blessing. We refuse to let it in. And simply by leaving that behind, mentally speaking, the Bible says that we have to have a transformed mind. So we can leave mentally Ur of the Chaldees so that our frame of mind can be such that we can be obedient to God's blessing. Certainly, if our mind is full of carnality, if our, if our thoughts are full of, of the flesh, the Bible says they that walk after the flesh shall die, but those that live after the Spirit, amen, shall, shall have eternal life, shall be blessed. Verse 2 says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Again, obedience is the path to God's blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Look at how many times in just three verses the word bless or blessing or blessed is mentioned. Conditional on Abraham's obedience. Isn't that awesome? You see, we can change our environment mentally. Paul tells us that in Philippians. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. What he's telling us is to come out of Ur of the Chaldees in our thinking. Leave all of that behind. When we focus on negative things, then God's blessing can't be fully upon us. God commanded him to change his environment. He's commanding us through Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. In fact, our topic this month is praise and worship. And if we start to change our environment into one of praise and worship, we are actually coming out of Ur of the Chaldees, a place of idol worship, a place of of fleshly carnality. Because in doing that, God now has us in the state where he can speak to us, where a word can lift us up, where a message can change our hearts. So blessing comes by obedience, and the obedience has to be based on trust and faith. Romans 5, 1-2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We can only do that if we are justified by faith, which means that we believe that what Christ did for us forgives us of our sins and makes us justified, just as if I hadn't done it, and, and, and free before God. We have peace with God. Not enmity, but peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access, through Jesus Christ's death, by faith, into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, blessing requires obedience, and obedience functions when you believe. It's hard to obey someone who you don't trust. Um, another definition is being sure of what we hope for and certain and certain of what we do not see. Are you certain of God's love? Are you certain that when he tells you to do something, if you're obedient, there will be blessing? Amen. Let's look at another example in Old Testament because the, oh, the whole Old Testament is full of God's obedience bringing blessing and that it was conditional on being a fully, fully made-up mind follower 
of Christ. Let's look at this. The story of Elijah and Elisha. In 2 Kings verse 2, 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, so they came to Jericho. This whole story is about obedience and perseverance. Sometimes the blessing comes by not just being obedient, but being someone who perseveres, not giving up when you're waiting for the blessing. Verse 9, And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now that was a big deal, to ask for a double portion. What he was asking for was the inheritance. Because under the Jewish laws, it was the firstborn that received a double portion. And it was a sign of the birthright. So what Elisha was asking for was to have a double portion, to be the spiritual heir to Elijah. And Elijah tells him, okay, you've asked for a big deal, you've asked for a big thing, but if you see me when I go up, then your request will be granted. So now this was a test for Elisha because Elijah started to evangelize. He started going around all the cities, the different cities, and he even told Elisha, look, why don't you take a rest? He said, no way, I want to get my blessing You've told me the conditions. I'm not giving up. I'm going to follow you everywhere you go. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 2. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So obtaining the blessing sometimes, along with obedience... We have to have a mind of perseverance. The Bible says, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. If at any time Elisha had given up and said, You know, I've been following this old man around so long and nothing has happened. But his mindset was, I am not giving up. I am determined to get my blessing. I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So we see and we know the story that he... Finally, he even went to Jericho and crossed over the river. And Elisha was not letting him go. He followed him until he saw him get caught up in that heavenly chariot and got the blessing. Amen. So obtaining the blessing by obedience, which is the pathway, and then following the pathway represents perseverance. And for sure... Even if you have been given God's giftings, even if you have been chosen, Paul says you have to keep your, your election and your calling sure. And we have some of the greatest examples in Scripture of how disobedience, instead of bringing a blessing, brings rejection. In Samuel chapter 15, verse 19, we see the story of Saul who head and shoulders looked every part the king. He had the gifts of a king. He was chosen to be king. He was anointed to be king. But he was disobedient. He was disobedient. Samuel fifteen nineteen. Samuel comes and asks him, Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? 
And Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Many times our flesh will deceive us, our heart will deceive us, and we'll say, Yes, we've obeyed. Yes, we, we did. We'll, we'll rationalize our actions instead of being honest. Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. He had 90% done what the prophet had asked him. I have done everything and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, and here's the next thing, he started to blame other people. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. He made an excuse, well, we kept some of the stuff, the people did it, and we're going to sacrifice them. But that was not perfect obedience. Only perfect obedience gets God's full favor. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken, that means to listen, shama, than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the, the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So we see that disobedience does the opposite of a blessing. It brings the greatest opposite of a blessing, which is rejection from God. There's nothing worse in Scripture than being rejected by God. There is no appeal. There is no um, higher authority when God told Samuel, don't pray for him. Probably some of the saddest verses in Scripture. And as I've said before, obedience does not need understanding. What obedience needs is just obedience. We see this even in the New Testament in, a, in the last day before Jesus was arrested when his disciples had been gathered in the upper room. In John thirteen five. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now. Do you understand what God is saying? Jesus is saying, you're not understanding and you don't know why I'm doing this. But if you're patient, you will know hereafter. So he didn't explain why he was doing this fully. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Peter was a, an extremist. He either went fully one way or the other. Jesus went on to say, Listen, those that have been baptized or, or washed, baptizo is the Greek word, only need to have their feet washed. Amen. And again, he was showing how the washing of the word cleanses us. We don't have to be baptized again. And they didn't need at that point to understand it. Jesus says, no, it's not now. You're not going to understand some of the things I'm doing now, but in time you will. It's like a little child. Some of the things your parents do at the time made no sense. In fact, they look downright unfair. It's not until 
you grow up and have children that you begin to have understanding. So obedience does not necessarily need understanding, but it does need faith. The reason why they followed him and trusted him was not because they understood everything, but they believed in him. Hallelujah. That's what it takes to be fully obedient. You have to believe on the word. You have to believe in the son of God. So obedience is the pathway. The walk is perseverance. And the place of blessing, though, is humility. God will not bless you till you get to a place of humility. Proverbs 22, verse 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. It would, it would be awesome to just take a time and, and listen to that verse again. By humility and the fear of the Lord, in other words, the reverence of the Lord, are riches and honor and life. And of course, Luke 14, 11 says, For everyone that exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. How do we humble ourselves? Well, the best way is to serve others. Jesus said he didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister to others. How we humble ourselves is when we do as Jesus did, wash the disciples' feet figuratively. Then the question comes, well, why should I be humble? What does that do? How does that help in the blessing? Well, let's look at that. James 4.13, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get and gain. The whole point he's saying is, listen, you're not in control. You can't determine precisely every day of your life. That's why we should be humble. We should consider the person who holds our life. Verse 14, whereas he know not what shall be on the morrow. We think we have a plan for tomorrow, but something can come into our lives to completely change it. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that he ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. The reason why we are humble, we should be humble is because we're not God. We don't control the future. We should submit to the one who does. Hallelujah. Luke 12, 25 says, And which of you with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit. If he then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? The place of God's blessing is humility. When we are humble is when he can exalt us. When we are proud, the Bible says he sees those afar off. And in fact, it's one of the things that's an abomination to God, a proud look. So it's being humble enables that blessing to really flow. Let's look at a, some examples in the New Testament. As I said, humility is the place of God's blessing. Obedience is the path. Perseverance is, is, is the journey. But humility is the place. Jesus gave an example of this with the parable of the Pharisee and the publican in Luke chapter 18 verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Notice that. Which trusted in themselves. That they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. 
the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Wow. He was really hot on himself. But we find that Jesus had something to say about this story. He said, the one who went away justified was not the publican, sorry, was not the Pharisee, but the publican. The Bible said he would not even lift up his head. He just said, Lord, have mercy upon me. When we humble ourselves is when God can give us the blessing. That is the place of blessing. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth unmerited favor, forgiveness and mercy, in other words, unto the humble. You know, um, I was listening on, on my way here tonight uh, to Joel Osteen, and he told a story which I've heard him tell before, but maybe it's worth telling. There was this neighbor lady who uh, would come out every morning and, and watch her neighbors washing, and it looks all, you know, dirty and gray, and she would say, that lady doesn't even know how to wash her clothes properly. And every morning, uh, or whenever this other neighbor would put out her, her washing, she would come and she would speak to her husband, look at that, that looks so gray and dirty, that, that lady doesn't really know how to clean. Then one morning she got up and she came and she looked at it and everything looked bright and shiny and looked so good. And she said, wow, what's happened? And her husband said, honey, I got up this morning and I cleaned our windows. Cleaned our windows. You see, she needed her windows cleaned before she could look at other people. That's what happened to the Pharisee. He was looking through dirty windows. And we do that many times. In Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people, it's a condition, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Humility is the place of God's blessing. You want favor? You want God to pour out riches? You want God to open doors? You want God to uh, give you a plain path, to give you a direction? If my people, the first thing it says shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know, we have to take the beam out of our own eye. We have to clean our own glass. Every day she was looking at this lady's washing and thinking it was because she was doing it wrong and it turned out it was because her windows were dirty. Are our windows dirty? Humility is the place of God's blessing. Of course, Jesus gave us the greatest example. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. God humbled himself and became as a man. And became obedient. Listen to that word, remember? Obedient, even to death. The death of the cross. See, you have to do verse 8 before verse 9. Once you've humbled yourself, then verse 9 can happen. Wherefore God also hath highly, highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. 
Scripture says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Humility is the place of God's blessing. And it's so easy to be proud and stuck up. It's, it's the one sin that can creep up on us. You know, when we start thinking we're more righteous than other people, God speaks to me more than you. He, he gifts me better than you. I can, I can teach better than you. I can sing better than you. I can play. I don't even know what you're good for. That's, that's really being like the Pharisee. I'm better than this person. When really what we have to do is go clean our windows. I put up a a sign a few months ago that says, don't judge me because I sin differently from you. All have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God, of the glory of God. And it's his grace. And only his grace and his mercy can deliver us. The third principle to God's blessing is knowing him. Because you can't have faith until you know something of him. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we come together to learn God's word. Paul said, study to show thyself approved. Because the more you know of God, the more faith you can have in him, the more trust you can place in him because you know of his wonderful works. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. Of course, some people don't want to know the truth. I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. When we reject truth, we're really rejecting God. The Bible speaks as the Holy Spirit, as the spirit of truth. So when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will lead us, teach us. But are we listening? As it says in the Old Testament, Shema, hear, hear, Shema, Israel. The Lord thy God is one Lord, Echad. The Lord thy God, Echad, that means one, unitary. But it starts out with hear, listen, obey, in other words. My people are destroyed For lack of knowledge. The third principle of blessing is knowing God. Knowing God. First principle is obedience. That's the pathway. Perseverance is the journey. Humility is the place. And then knowing him gives us the faith. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How can you believe And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? You understand we have to have knowledge. And how shall they hear without someone proclaiming, preaching? Blessing is also predicated on knowledge. For instance, if someone leaves me a million dollars in their will, unless I know about it, I'm not going to be blessed by it. God has left us more than a million dollars. He's left us eternal life. He's, he's, he's left us victories. He's left us deliverances. But unless we know about it, it will not be a blessing. Psalms 119.33 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. So one of the third principles of blessing from God is just knowledge, knowing him. 
When you know of his laws, then you know that he can bless. Let's just look at a couple of them. The law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. You can fool all kinds of people. You can fool the pastor. You can fool all kinds of people. But you can't fool God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, is not fooled, is not, is not, um, you can't pull something over his eyes. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Hmm. So I should sow blessings. I should sow love. I should sow joy. I should sow encouragement. Because if that's what I'm sowing, the Bible tells me those are the blessings I'm going to reap. But if I sow gossip, if I sow discouragement, if I sow a bad look, a bad attitude, what shall I reap? Verse 8, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season, remember I preached about that, we shall reap if we faint not. Psalms 126 verse 5 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed. The Bible likens our tears to righteous precious seed. Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. See, there are certain laws which you have to know to understand the blessing. We don't talk about money much, but there it is. When we sow to God's kingdom in giving, we shall also reap. Here's one of the laws of blessing. Patience, perseverance. Ecclesiastes 3.1, as I preached the other day, to everything there is a season. Some of us are going through some winter seasons, some some persecution seasons, some some relationship seasons that are hard. But there is a purpose. Because it's in those seasons that are hard is when things are planted. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant. And a time to pluck up. When you have the knowledge of the seasons, then you know when to sow. That's when you can use the knowledge to reap a blessing. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord... It's not may or if. It says shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings as equals. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. That's one of God's spiritual laws. Now, if you know that, that gives you hope. That gives you faith. Yes, I'm going to make it even though I'm going through some hard trials. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait upon the Lord because I'm going through my season, my winter season. But spring is coming. The days will get longer. Galatians 4.4 says, But when the fullness of time was come. I talked about that. God does everything on his own schedule. He has a fullness of time for your deliverance, for your blessing. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. God has a perfect timing. And he has shown that in my life. There's been times when I've been frustrated and I wanted him to act But then when I realized, looking back, if he had done it when I wanted it, wouldn't have been good. God's timing is perfect. This is where trust and obedience, where we have to shema, we have to listen. 
See, one of the laws of blessing that we have to have knowledge of is seek and you shall find. Luke 11 verse 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew 5, 6 is blessed. We're talking about the blessing now. Are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. John 6, 35. These are all laws that when you have the knowledge of, there are blessings. If you know these verses, these promises, then if you believe these verses, these promises, then if you stand upon these verses and these promises, then you will have the blessing. But it takes perseverance. It takes patience. It takes faith. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. These are some of the laws of blessings that it takes knowledge, it takes hearing, it takes a preacher, it takes study of the word. And this is the third part of blessing. Amen. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first, and this was the verse that my parents put in the Bible they gave me as a wedding present. I wanted monetary funds. I wanted money. And they gave me this Bible with this verse. But it has been more valuable than gold. What are you seeking? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I can tell you that that verse has been fulfilled in my life when I have gone after the things of God, then blessing has followed. When we put the right priorities in obedience, the pathway, in humility, the place, in perseverance, the journey, and then in knowledge, the, the, the ability to receive, then the blessing will follow. In fact, the scripture says, in Proverbs 3, 6, in all thy ways, acknowledge. And that word is yada. It means in all thy ways, know him. Know him in your waking up. Know him in your work relationships. Know him in your family relationships. Know him in your attitude. You need to yada, to know. And he shall direct thy paths. Ephesians 4, 13 says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge. See, part of blessing means you have to know some things. The more you know of him, the more blessings you can obtain because you understand the promises and you believe. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want to know him. I want to yada him. I want to know him in all my ways, not just on Sundays in my worship, but in my relationships at work, in my relationships at school. The blessing, the ultimate blessing, of course, is to know him. Philippians 3.10. Paul is writing from prison in Rome. He's at the end of his great apostolic career. And here he says this, which is astounding. That I may know him. This is not a destination. We continue to learn. There's more to learn about God. There's always more that is rich and full 
and provides a blessing, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That's not something we want to say. Being, being made just that way so that we kill this flesh. And he goes on to say, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And this is Paul's confession of his humanity, that he's not perfect. He goes on in verse 12 to say, not as though I had already attained. That blows my mind. The great apostle Paul, who had miracles of resurrections, bringing back the young man from the dead, coming out of the ocean several times, having a snake thrown off. Here's Paul saying, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. You know what he's doing? He's exhibiting the place of humility. He is not claiming that he's some great somebody. He says, not as if I were already perfect, but I follow after. He's going on that path of obedience, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend, that means may I grab hold that for which also I have been grabbed hold of, that is Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. It means he, he doesn't believe he's, he understands everything. But this one thing I do, and this is key to going down this path of blessing, forgetting those things which are behind, because you can do nothing about the past except get miserable. Those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is our lesson today. Obedience, humility, hallelujah, humility, knowledge, perseverance, knowing God. These things are the keys to God's favor and blessing. The very last thing for God to bless us is not to just bless us, but for us to use that blessing. And I call that mission. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given. It didn't say take and take more. It says give. Give, and it shall be given. You want blessing? Bless others. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you measure out, it shall be measured to you again. If we really understood that, we'd be doing boatloads of service and ministry because that's what would be given back to us. God has given me so much grace because I've been willing to give others grace to be, try and put myself in a place of serving others. How do we bless then? How do we get to that stage now where we are not only receiving the blessing, but sharing the blessing? Well, we can do it in many ways. We can pray for people. We can encourage. We can lift up. And of course, serve. We can look after people in giving. In, in, in wise counsel. That's how we bless people, all these things. In giving warning, prophetic utterance, correction and admonition. If we see our brother uh, overtaken in a fault, the Bible says those who 
who are, are wise, those who have the spirit of love, should, should correct them in a spirit of love. Proverbs 11.24 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. You know what? They haven't understood some of these laws. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Isn't that something? We, we can give so much in so many ways. And that's what God has called us to. Amen. Haven't quite finished this lesson, but I think this is a good place to stop because we've covered these pillars and keys to God's favor and blessing. Amen. If we would just meditate upon that. Am I being obedient? Am I being humble? Am I seeking after to know him? Am I on a mission to bless others? With those four keys and some of the other things that go along with it, God will certainly multiply and make us fruitful. Hallelujah. If wherever you are at this time, if you could bow your hearts, we're going to pray and ask that God's blessing would just flow down like a river upon us. And it may not be material, but it can be spiritual. God can take your mind and you can leave Ur of the Chaldees. Wherever that situation of depression, of doubt and fear in your mind, God can take that away. You can leave Ur of the Chaldees. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today for your mercy and your grace and your word that tells us, that teaches us, oh God, the principles of your favor, oh God, of obedience, hallelujah, of humility, Lord Jesus, of knowing you, Lord God, and forgetting a mission to share whatever you have given us. We thank you right now for your greatness and your love, your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we ask you to just pour down blessing that we may be a channel to help and serve others. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.